Welcome back to Good Monsters. My name is Cody Lawrence. This is episode 28. We are going to be talking about uh, logic, some logical fallacies. If you don't know what that is, or if that doesn't sound interesting to you, if it sounds too uh, academic, just hang on, because I promise this is very relevant. Uh, You're probably going to learn something. And if you do know what logical fallacies are and you are confident in that, um, stick around anyway because I want to talk about something that people get wrong about a particular fallacy and probably about quite quite a few fallacies. First, I want to kind of define what a logical fallacy is and um, give examples of how you can see those and why they're important, and then kind of focus on the uh, the one called ad hominem that I would like to talk about uh, a little afterwards. So what is a logical fallacy? Um, it's a fancy word that just means a mistake in reasoning, a mistake in reasoning. So whenever somebody says something that doesn't make sense or their conclusion is wrong, they are committing some kind of fallacy. Now, some are easier to spot than others. Um, you, you know, there's the there's the the common phrase: "If this person jumped off a cliff, would you do it?" Uh, that's an idea about pointing out some kind of logical fallacy. Like you wouldn't do this thing just because other people do it. Because if you would that would be a logical mistake. It might not always be a good idea to do something just because somebody else or even many other people are doing that thing. And so uh, it's important to be able to notice logical fallacies, and we do that by learning about them. And so there are two kinds of mistakes in reasoning. There are two categories. There's two kinds of fallacies. There's formal and informal. Formal means that the error can be seen in the form of the argument. The conclusion doesn't follow from the premises. Uh, So anyway, to give an example, no human is a dog. Dogs are mammals. Therefore, no humans are mammals. Now, this isn't true. The conclusion does not follow. We know that humans are, in fact, mammals. But the the two premises are true. No human is a dog, correct, and dogs are mammals, correct. But the conclusion is false. Therefore, no humans are mammals. Because also this doesn't follow. You can't connect those two premises and get that conclusion. Uh, And that probably sounds obvious to you, but that's what a formal fallacy is. Uh, In other words, the formal formal mistakes, formal fallacies, they just don't make sense. Uh, They're usually easy to see, but you can hear complicated arguments and they will be more difficult to spot. I think the more complicated the argument, the harder a formal fallacy is to see. And the way that we see these is to kind of break apart the argument into its statements or into its claims or into its premises and try to follow through, track through it and see if the conclusion follows or check each and every premises to see if it's actually true. Now, informal fallacies are when the conclusion isn't supported by the premises, but there's no inherent problem in the argument's form. So, in other words, the conclusion might follow from the premises, but maybe the premises are just really weak. 
or maybe the premises or the statements that make up the argument just uh, are maybe disconnected from the conclusion in some way. So here's an example of this. Everyone should wear masks because the epidemiologists say that we should. Uh, Somebody gave me this argument on Instagram recently, (laughs) and uh, it sounds very simple or very similar to the argument of uh, we should jump off a cliff because everyone else is doing it. And because we've already mentioned that and because you are reasonable human beings, you can probably see the inconsistency and the similarity between these two arguments. Everyone should wear a mask because epidemiologists say that we should. Now, the conclusion here does follow from the premise, from the statement. The statement is, uh, epidemiologists say we should wear masks, therefore we should wear masks. So that follows, but it's not a strong argument. And here are some quick reasons why. Also, just so you know, this isn't, uh, the purpose of this is to not give you detailed evidence as to why people should not wear masks. I have done that in videos elsewhere <laughs> and uh, in podcasts. And I might do it some more because people are still wearing masks. Uh, and and now they're, they're vaccinated and they're still wearing masks. <laughs> but anyway, um, stay focused. Everyone should wear masks because epidemiologists say that we should is the argument. But some of the problems with this is one, some epidemiologists disagree. Not 100% of people who study disease believe that we should wear masks. Now, I don't know what percentage that is, but it's impossible to believe that 100% of all people in a field believe that we should wear masks. And so the argument is weakened by the fact that, okay, some say it, but I could use that exact same evidence to support the opposite point, which is that uh, some epidemiologists say that we shouldn't wear masks, right? (laughs) Another problem with this argument is that epidemiologists, people who study epidemics, have no authority over what I do or do not do with my face. And so it doesn't matter what they say I should do with my face. And then a third point is looking at the actual evidence, regardless of what some epidemiologists are saying, even if 100% of epidemiologists were saying that we should wear masks, uh, there isn't, based on the evidence, a convincing case for me to force the entire planet to cover their face. And so uh, to, to, to make this argument stronger, even though I disagree with it, to make it stronger, everyone should wear masks because epidemiologists say that we should, you would give reasons not based on authority. So the, so the informal fallacy that we see here is called an argument from authority. You're saying these people in power say this, or these people in this field say this, therefore you should do it because they know what they're talking about. And they might not know what they're talking about because the thing that makes an argument strong is not who it comes from, but the evidence and the uh, the power of the actual statements in the argument, the reasons for why the argument is true or not true. Uh, so to make this argument stronger, you would say we should wear masks because masks are 150% effective against every disease ever. 
and because they cause no psychological or uh, or respiratory damage whatsoever. And I don't think any of these are true, but <laughs> that that would be a better version of the argument than you should do this just because uh, people in this field say so. Hopefully that makes sense. I don't want to beat a dead horse. Uh, in some way, informal fallacies are harder to spot because, like I said, they seem to follow. Like it, it seems to follow that if a lot of people in a certain field believe you should do something, then you should. It's also important to note that some informal fallacies might not be fallacious at all. There could be good reasons to follow what somebody in authority says, but the problem comes in when there are other reasons not to trust those people in authority, and then you you still need to go back and look at the evidence. But um, it's reasonable to say, for example, like you should look talking to a child or something or anybody really (laughs) you should look both ways before crossing the street because dad said so that is an appeal to authority but it is a good appeal to authority now maybe as you grow up or maybe if you want to know uh, more reasons for why you should look both ways before you cross the street you could look at more evidence and reasons other than just because dad says so because that's not ultimately the reason why we look both ways before we cross the street. It's because it's dangerous not to. It's because it protects us. Um, it's because there there is a chance of a car barreling down the road to collide with us as we are crossing if we do not look both ways. But sometimes uh, what would otherwise be informal fallacies are actually not fallacies at all. And what I want to talk about is one called ad hominem. Ad hominem. This is an informal fallacy. Ad hominem literally means to the person. And what that means is uh, the ad hominem fallacy is whenever a person is responding to an argument, instead of responding to the argument, they are responding to the person or to their character or to their appearance or something like that. So ad hominem is to the person. Here's an example. Um, you, you could say, like, give any argument whatsoever. Uh, if somebody gives an argument and the the other person arguing says, well, you're just stupid. <laughs> that is a distraction from the argument. It's totally throwing the argument out. And instead, it is attacking the person. It attacks the person instead of the argument. That is definitely a fallacy. It makes your argument against what that person is saying uh, fallacious because it doesn't matter if the person is stupid or not. It could be true. It could be not true. But that doesn't make their argument not true. And so the problem with the ad hominem fallacy is that It doesn't focus on the argument itself, but it tries to distract from the argument by name-calling or uh, by attacking somehow the person in another way. So here's a, a more substantive example. The abortion argument. So let's say somebody is arguing against abortion, a Christian, for example. And they say, a Christian would say, as all Christians should say, 
to end, here's the argument, to end the life of an innocent human being is murder. Abortion ends the life of an innocent human being. Therefore, abortion is murder. And therefore, we should not support abortion. We should not um, participate in it. We should discourage other people from from, uh, getting or supporting abortion. So that's the argument. Now, what if somebody responds to that? And I am sure if you've been around the block at all and had discussions or seen discussions about abortion, you have heard this. Let's say somebody gives that argument, a Christian, for example, and let's say someone responds, you just don't care about women's rights. That is not engaging with the argument itself, but it is engaging with the person. They have given a seemingly reasonable argument. The argument certainly follows. And if you disagreed with that, you would have to attack the argument itself by saying either um, ending the life of an innocent human being isn't, in fact, murder, or that abortion doesn't actually end the life of an innocent human being. That would be the way to approach that argument. Now, I don't think you can do that in this case, but instead of reasonable reasonable conversation and argument between two people, what we often see is one person diverting from the argument altogether and saying, you just don't care about women's rights. Now, let's say it's true that the arguer actually didn't care about women's rights. (laughs) Now, um, now Christians should argue that this isn't an issue of women's rights. It's an issue of human rights. And uh, we have a right to not be murdered, right? (laughs) And the right to not be murdered uh, is a little more important than a woman's rights right to do what she wants with, um, well, people would say with her own body, but it's not her own body. It's a separate body that she is supporting and she is um, she is growing inside of her. Again, let's just pretend that the, the person didn't actually care about women's rights and said, yeah, 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 women, women shouldn't be able to vote and women um, should all be housewives and they should, uh, all women should get paid... <laughs> Fifty percent of a man's salary <laughs> for doing the same job. Let's just say that that person. <laughs> okay, so let's say that that person existed, and that they were arguing that uh, abortion is murder and that abortion is bad, right? And the the other person was totally right in pointing out, saying, "You just don't care about women's rights." <laughs> That is still, in this case, a fallacy because it is not engaging with the argument. It is engaging uh, as an attack on the person's character, even if it's true. Even if it is true that the person does not care about women's rights, it is not a good way of arguing because it does not get to the, um, the, the bottom of the statements being made itself. Okay, hopefully that makes sense. <clears throat> but, here's the but. But... Not all name-calling is bad logic. Just like I mentioned earlier that not all appeals to authority are bad logic, like saying, I need to look both ways before crossing the street because my dad says so. That is good logic. Just like sometimes name-calling is not bad logic. Ad hominem is not bad logic. So here's what I see on the internet. Here's what happens. 
uh, a person might say something like, and, and this happened to me, uh, you, you might say, you might be engaging with a person's arguments, uh, you might be having a reasonable discussion, and you might say, that is ridiculous that you would say such a thing. I was having a, a conversation, um, well, I won't get into the details, because <clears throat> it's kind of complicated, but I was having a conversation with an atheist on on Instagram, and he was, ironically, he was talking about how ridiculous the Christian position is to believe in a God, and I was saying, well, I think it's ridiculous not to believe in a God, and he called that ad hominem. He was like, ad hominem, uh, as if as if I wasn't engaging with his arguments, but I was just calling him names, and that wasn't true. I could, I could engage with his arguments and try to give him evidence for why he was incorrect and call his arguments ridiculous at the same time. Now, I have some biblical examples because we are Christians and we want to know if, if this is a strategy that we can use. Like if it's okay to call out, uh, to call certain things what they are, or should we just never, uh, n- never point towards anybody's character um, at all? And should we always focus on their arguments? Yeah, not necessarily. And so here are some biblical examples. Uh, I I just picked a few people from the New Testament. There are tons of these examples all through Scripture, but I'll just give you a few. Read Matthew 23. This is full of name-calling from Jesus himself. In verse 13, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Hypocrites. He calls them hypocrites. That is a name. Uh, In verse 16, he says, Woe to you, blind guides. Calling them blind. You're blind. That is a name. In verse 27, he says, You are like whitewashed tombs. You're dead inside. You're, uh, you're, You're painted beautifully on the outside, but you're full of death and decay. That is a name. It's, it's a pretty bad name. In verse 33, he says, you serpents, you brood of vipers. He's calling them a name. But Jesus here is also, in addition to calling them names, and uh, and these names, incidentally, because they're coming from Jesus Christ, we know that these names are uh, were used appropriately in this situation. So not only was he using these names appropriately in this situation, but he wasn't just calling them a name and walking away. If you read Matthew 23, he engages with their beliefs. He tells them why they're wrong, and he calls them hypocrites and snakes and blind and tombs. (laughs) Uh, In James 4.1, James calls the people he's writing to adulteresses. Basically, he's calling them whores for leaving uh, stopping believing in God for abandoning him and and fraternizing with the world instead of being the friend of God, being the friend of the world, and therefore making themselves enemies of God. He calls them adulteresses. Uh, not not a good name. You know, it, it wouldn't feel good to be called an adulteress, a cheater. Acts 7.51 uh, in the story of Stephen, who is confronted by the council of Pharisees and he confronts them right back. He says, you stiff necked people. And he says a bunch of other things. And eventually he is murdered by them. He calls them stiff necked. He's saying they, uh, they, they don't change. They can't see around them. They're close minded. He calls them a name. 
Uh, We see in Galatians, Paul says, false teachers are to be accursed. He says that multiple times in Galatians. He also calls the Galatians foolish in in, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. You open the book of Proverbs to any random page and the author calls somebody a fool, right? You see that all over the place in Proverbs and flip to any random page in the prophets in the Old Testament and you'll probably find the prophet calling Israel some kind of name as well. (laughs) So the point here is name calling isn't always a bad thing. It can be used appropriately and I think that's what some people get wrong about uh, ad hominem. Now, I'm not saying that we should go around calling people names, but I'm saying that that is a tool in our tool belt that could be used appropriately. Just because this is a pretty common fallacy, name-calling, ad hominem, doesn't mean that it is always a fallacy. Name-calling is only a mistake, a logical mistake, when you call somebody a name instead of engaging with their argument. However, you can... You are allowed to, as a, as a human, as a rational human being, as somebody with access to logic and reason, with the ability to argue, and with the Spirit of God inside of you, you have the ability to appropriately call people names. You have an ability to, you're allowed to appropriately uh, point out things about people's characters or their actions. But it is also important that you do engage with arguments. So we can do both. Uh, I just thought it was funny that that a person who was essentially criticizing my arguments for being ridiculous would, would say that I was name-calling, and therefore that was a logical inconsistency. Because <laughs> not only was he doing exactly the same thing, but... Uh, and, and this happens all the time. Not only was he doing exactly the same thing, but he was incorrect by saying that that is the ad hominem fallacy because not all name calling is illogical and that is a tool that we are allowed to use if we use it appropriately. Appropriately. <laughs> appropriately. So, uh, yeah, our actions should reflect the way that the good guys in the Bible act. And definitely calling people what they are in the situations that the, uh, you know, that Jesus and Paul and James and Stephen called these people names is an appropriate thing to do. And it is something that I believe that we are allowed to do as well. And we should, because our argument could become a lot stronger if we confront not only a person's argument, like a false teacher, for example, but say to them, not only is your theology bad, but Paul says you are accursed. You are cursed. You know, you are, uh, go, you're on a fast track to hell, buddy. You know, this is hellish teaching. It's satanic to turn people away from Christ like this by twisting the gospel. That is a totally okay thing for us to do in addition to pointing out either to the false teacher, but more likely to the, to the followers or to, um, to other people who could learn from this uh, uh, by calling out this false teacher or, uh, or whoever your, your argument is targeted against, as well as focusing on the argument itself. Well, I hope that was enlightening, and I hope that gives you something to think about. 
I will catch you on the next episode of Good Monsters.